What is going on? Welcome to the show. Pete Callender here. It's the Pete Callender Show. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Happy Wednesday. Thanks so much for letting me be a part of your day. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. Um, we're still monitoring the uh, the Ahmad Aubrey trial uh, down in Georgia. And uh, if the jury comes back with a verdict... Uh, we'll bring that to you. We'll, we'll, we will endeavor our best. We will effort it. <laughs> By the way, just for the record, I hate those two terms. All right. Um, so uh, that's on. Uh, that's sort of on the radar. Uh, also, why progressives ruin cities? <laughs> this is. There was a conversation that I, uh, I I was listening. It was a podcast the other day that I I listened as a fellow named Michael Schellenberger. And uh, he's got a book called San Francisco, Why Progressives Ruin Cities. <clears throat> and it is currently ranked number one in Amazon's urban planning category of books, which is where I go for all my Christmas shopping. The urban planning category of books. For some reason, nobody wants me at Christmas anymore. I don't know why. Anyway, the um, and we're going to get there. But first, I want to start with this topic of the cash bail. Because... This has now become, uh, well, the topic has now kind of gotten onto the radar of a lot of people that probably haven't been paying attention. I have a, uh, a couple of friends that we've been able to reconnect with um, that, uh, since Christy and I got back to town. And, um, I mean, it's been, you know, eight years. They've got two young kids that are now in, you know, about eight or nine years old apiece. And so I haven't seen them for a very long time. I've never met their kids before, but... um it was funny to listen to him talk about how, like, now they're paying attention to, like, school board stuff. You know, like, yeah, this is what happens when you have kids and you have a house and you start paying attention to local politics because it matters. This is the stuff that actually affects you on a day-to-day basis, what your kids are learning in schools. And um, you know, I've talked about this before with government schools. Everything in our lives, our entire society, basically, is ordered around government-run K-12 education. And uh, so, you know, people generally, if they don't have kids in the schools, they don't really pay much attention, but then they get married, they have kids, and all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, this is insane. And after the uh, Waukesha Christmas Parade Massacre the other day, now people are learning all about cash bail, or as the left likes to call it, criminal justice reform. Right, the elimination of cash bail policies. This has now come into the spotlight after, is it Daryl Brooks? I've also heard it pronounced Darrell, Darrell Brooks. I don't know. But this guy, the, uh, you know, the driver of the car that mowed down scores of people at a parade, killing six, including now an eight-year-old boy, injuring dozens more. He had an extensive criminal history dating back uh, to 1999, including multiple felonies. He's a convicted sex offender. He made bail twice in Wisconsin this year alone, despite having an active warrant for jumping bail on a sex crime charge in Nevada. Now, uh, as I have heard, uh, it reported that the the charge in Nevada was not, it's not something that they would extradite him for, but if he was picked up in Nevada, then they they would keep him in custody, but it's not like, I guess that's the thing you can do now. Like you jump bail in one state for, I guess, a sex crime. It's 
totally fine in another state if you're caught. It's, yeah, these things to me don't make any sense. They don't make any sense. I understand, and and look, there, well, we'll get to this, because the cash bail argument, I understand sort of the roots of it and the idea behind it that, hey, if you're poor and you get arrested and you're rich and you get arrested for the exact same thing, the rich person is going to be more likely to have his freedom than the poor person because of the bail, right? And rather than trying to, what, set up some sort of a progressive scale of bail amounts based on your disposable income or how much money you happen to have access to at any given moment, that's a very, I I don't know how you overload a court system with that kind of tedious level work to find out who, you know, who can afford what level bond. That, That seems kind of crazy to me. But the other side of this is that if you're going to do, you know, cash bail elimination, you're going to eliminate this or reform, you're going to do these sorts of things, then it only works if you keep the violent offenders out of uh, the the gen pop, out of the, the society, right? Because another point of the bail, of holding somebody with bail, another point of it is to keep them off the streets because they're a menace. They're a menace. They could go out and reoffend. They can go out and finish off whoever it was that they were attacking when they were initially arrested. Earlier this month, Milwaukee prosecutors requested a $1,000 bail for Daryl Brooks or Darrell Brooks. And uh, they had uh, arrested him and charged him for punching his girlfriend in the face and then running her over with his car. Man, if only we had seen this coming. That's the thing that gets me, too. So many of these attacks. And it's like, oh, yeah, he was known to law enforcement. Oh, yeah, we kind of knew that if anybody was going to do something like this, it would have been him. Like, hmm, yeah. His criminal history ranges from multiple firearms and battery convictions and strangulation to sex offenses and drug charges on a 50-page rap sheet that spans three states. Fox News reports critics are slamming attempts at criminal bail reform that put violent offenders like Brooks out on the street at low or no cost, warning that the system is endangering communities around the country. Now, what's interesting about this topic is the nexus with politics, because most DAs are elected. And you know who used to be a prosecutor? Our current vice president, Kamala Harris. Yeah, she spent seven years as D.A. for San Francisco, six years as the California attorney general, first black woman to hold that position. And while her position on the matter has evolved from a strict stance to supporting the abolishment of cash bail during her time as a prosecutor, Harris supported bail and even called for higher bail amounts on gun related charges. Her office also defended the cash bail system. So all of a sudden... When she needed to change her views for political advantage, miraculously, she evolved. Much like Barack Obama on gay marriage, she evolved on the matter. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. There once was a president who went to Nantucket. No, I'm kidding. But he did, actually. He's going to he's going on vacation for the Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, he's out of North Carolina. Came down, hung out with Roy, 
And then uh, now he's off to Nantucket. So Fox News reports bail money is essentially collateral to ensure that a person shows up for future court dates. If a person pays bail, then appears for their court dates, the money gets refunded. Right? And if you, if you don't, then they sick dog the bounty hunter on you. As a senator, Kamala Harris's position shifted on the cash bail topic. Critics have claimed that this was convenient for political purposes as she billed herself as a progressive lawmaker. And look, there is, okay, there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for why it looks like she changed her position on this, okay? Because she changed her position on this. Like, that's, yeah. And, okay, there's a logical explanation for why it looks like she did it for political advantage, and uh, the reason is that she did it for political advantage. That's why it looks like that. That's why it looks like that. It's because it's the case. Harris, during her time in the Senate and on the 2020 campaign trail, called for abolishing cash bail, She's argued that cash bail has an unbalanced impact on low-income defendants. And that is true. It is true, right? If you are poor, $1,000 is going to be harder for you to come up with to make bail than if you're a millionaire coming up with $1,000. But I don't, know what it, I don't know what the solution there is. I don't. For nonviolent, and look, and let's make distinctions, violent versus nonviolent offenders, right? If you are not charged with hurting somebody or um, breaking into someone's house, then, like, you know, possession of pot, basically. Which, does any even, does anybody even get arrested for that anymore? I don't even know. All right, let me, let me go over here. Matt, hello, Matt, welcome to the program. How are you? Good, how are you, Pete? Hey, I'm, I'm good. What's up? Yeah, I just wanted to say, my feeling on this is that Brooks, the, the, the Washington killer, I think he is a white, he's a black Dylan Roof. And mm-hmm. I think white people can now understand how black people felt when Roof went in there to that prayer meeting and started shooting people because they were black. Mm-hmm. And I think that Brooks was driving down there to kill some white people. And he's not he's not Kyle Rittenhouse. He's Dylan Roof. Right. And I think that's, that's a opinion. yeah, I think that is a I think that well, let me say it this way. I think that can very well be a fair comparison. I don't know more about all I know is the stuff I've seen on social media uh, that he posted that has now been blitzed, right? They've taken all of that stuff down. So the initial reporting on his social media posts where he talked about how much he hates white people, um, like, I, I think it is it is very possible that you are correct. Um, I would, I would, and I would only point out that there is a slight difference in, in white people that are identifying this uh, uh, him as a as a black Dylan Roof, basically, the slight difference is the media coverage that there is. Oh, there, right. There wasn't absolutely. media coverage of all of those social media posts. Right. They all got deleted. And the only people that were able to find them and put them up there and publicize them were a couple of you know conservative journalists. And a lot of that stuff got memory hold. And so you're not uh, the mainstream outlets, the corporate media outlets. They have not been promoting this narrative that they did when it was Dylan Roof. And I would, by the way, I would say, like, appropriately so with Dylan Roof, right? Like, that right. was what motivated him, and so that was part of the story. Right. But they were looking for a white, a white killer who killed him for racial, racial reasons for Roof. But, you know, we don't really want to go there uh, when we're dealing with black uh, perpetrators. We right. don't really want to say, oh, black people killing white people. 
because and and I think it's very I think it's probably controversial to compare the two because then people will say, oh no, he's worse because or no, Roof's worse because yeah, you know, and I want to well, get that, but I think we should I think we should look at it that and, and maybe we can as white people we can say, oh, well, you know, we were p- telling people. To, that roof wasn't so bad, he really was. Maybe we can get a little more empathy for how black people felt in that situation. So I understand. Yeah, I, I understand the idea that you're that you're pitching. I get where it's coming from. Um, I and I'm going to get into this later on in the show. I, I I am I am very sensitive and aware of the victimhood mentality, though, and I am not going to adopt a victimhood mentality over this case because I don't think it's helpful and I don't want to start thinking in those terms. I think society is is done grievous damage by far too many people uh, becoming empowered by victim status. And and it's not good. And so, because look, I mean, honestly, if you break down uh, crime and you look at, uh, so first off, well, before I break down the crime stats on the uh, based on racial demographics, the first thing to know is that uh, black people have killed white people because they are white for years. I mean, the guy I remember the subway shooter up in New York, right? He walked onto the subway car and opened fire and tried to kill white people with the expressed intent of killing white people. And that was 20, 30 years ago, whatever it was. So, uh, yeah, right. So this has been occurring. White people killing black people because they're black. That has also been occurring. Right. So this is not new. I don't need another case or, you know, something to in order to better identify or show empathy to me people were murdered that's enough for me to show empathy you know um and i think that if we recognize each other as humans at that level first i think we're all better served i get but i get i understand the argument you're making i get right, that I, I just want to say it wasn't written he's not written house right right so. yeah no i get it i absolutely i agree with you i appreciate the call matt and uh, happy thanksgiving uh the demographic breakdown so the vast majority of crime particularly violent crime and murder vast majority of crime is committed uh by people against people they know especially murders right people you know some you're more likely to be killed by somebody you know and then you're more likely to be killed by somebody inside your own racial group Black on black, white on white, that's that's the the most prevalent types of murdering, okay? Number one. Number two, um, when you go outside of those uh, parameters, when you start looking at the other categories, which are far smaller categories, but you start looking at those categories, um, white people are far more victimized by black people just in the crime stats, okay? Like when you start breaking apart the uh, the demographics, of intra versus interracial crime. And that's uncomfortable for a lot of people. Which, by the way, I you know, this is what Glenn Lowry, a black man, economist, um, from uh, Brown University, uh, this is one of the things that he warns against. Like, if you, you do not want everybody in society to be, to be thinking in terms of race, th- you know, viewing everything through a racialized prism. You don't want that to be the default position. Because as he says... There are way more white people, and so you don't want them thinking in those terms. It's counterproductive. Jesus has been, uh, you know, teaching people for 2,000 plus years. We're all humans. That should be enough. We're all brothers and sisters. <laughs> News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110. 
Talking about cash bail and uh, how uh, all of a sudden now people are kind of realizing uh, this big Democratic uh, Party reform effort that's been, and libertarians, by the way, they've been pushing for this as well. Rand Paul was on, on board with this. But there are downsides. And when you get prosecutors that uh, that do what they did in this case up in Waukesha, well, yeah, people are going to die. So apparently that's the price we pay. I'm not kidding either. This is what um, a letter from Biden and Harris. This was uh, the White House said the elimination of cash bail is one step governments can take to combat gender and race disparities. (laughs) Yeah, I'll get back to that in a second. First, let me go over here. This is Dean. Hello, Dean. Welcome to the show. What's going on? Yes. Happy Thanksgiving. And to you, sir, as well. Um, I just have a question. I'm probably just ignorant of all these things, but you you had said something about you know that he had posts and tweets and everything up yeah. there, and they were all taken down. Um, I mean, they, they apparently were up there for years, and he's been going on about it. Who takes them down? Or I can't imagine he has a defense attorney or anything yet, or what? So he does have a defense attorney. I think it was a court appointment, but um, that's uh, the, the the defense attorney isn't going to be doing that. It's either going to be his family, uh, people he knows that have access to his account. I doubt that's the case. What I suspect is what happened is the platforms shut down the page. So after 10 years of it, they shut it down. Why? Because, because of, the, because of uh, the arrest and... The uh, the fact that he, you know, he, he espoused all of this hatred and such and talked about, you know, how Hitler was right for killing Jews and all of this. Um, and then, uh, you know, calling for violence against white people. And then he goes out and commits acts of violence and then they take it down. They started doing this. I want to say they, they ripped down some social media profiles after one of the school shootings, I want to say, because uh, because the, the, you know, the perpetrator was uh you know, was talking about committing violence and they don't want to, because look, this is part of the thing with these copy or with, uh, with the mass attacks, these massacres, there are copycats, right. That do feed off of the, 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 the massacre. And so I don't necessarily object to the idea of, oh my gosh, we, we want to limit the copycats, you know? So that's, Mm -hmm. I think where a lot of that comes from, but I also recognize that there's way too much opportunity for these platforms to be putting their thumbs on the scale, you know, leaving Dylan Roof's stuff up there so everybody can see it and we can, you know, keep stirring that pot, but taking his stuff down immediately because we don't want to stir that pot. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're, so, so there are, there is, a, they are a little arbitrary in what they do then. It does appear so. Yes, it does. Well, I, well, I, I don't think it's arbitrary. I think it is subjective. I think there are reasons why they choose which accounts to take down at what time. That's just my that that. But that's my pessimism. <laughs> well, I want to I want to thank all you guys because I know every all the listeners out there are very appreciative of the job you guys do all day. Um, you know, you really bring Charlotte home um, from the national media. You know, and so we we do appreciate it. Okay? Well, thanks. No, I well, I appreciate Dean. I I appreciate. I was going to say this later. I'll say it now. I appreciate you and all of the people who call in, all the people who listen, because without you guys, I would literally not have this job. So, 
well, uh, you let me yeah. do what I enjoy doing, and I'm like eternally grateful that I've been able to do this for 20 years. I, 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 I it's not work to me. It's it, not a job to me. You know, and it shows. It shows obviously. Um, and and just in keeping with myself, I want to also thank you for the. 45 minutes of commercials every hour you put on. So Well, you're welcome. That's totally my call. Yes. Thank you, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> you know, by the way, if you listen to the uh, podcast, it's commercial free. So, yeah, after we post up, I mean, you're on a delay. You can't participate in, you know, in the phone calls and such. But, uh, you know, there's it, it serves a different purpose. So if you are interested in only getting pure peat distilled, it's, it's like the devil's cut. Uh, Pete, you know, you just, you just, you just need me for 30 minutes or so, 35 minutes. You just need pure Pete. Then, uh, it'll be a little bit on a delay, but Ryan producer, Ryan, he does his best to post the podcast, uh, immediately after the hour is over. So after what, one o'clock, the 12 o'clock hour should be up and ready to go. You're welcome. Um, too often, Poor people sit in jail because they don't have the money to pay bail while somebody with the same offense but money in their back pocket gets out. That So saith Vice President Kamala Harris. She said this is a serious injustice. This is what she said uh, back in uh, 2019 when she was running for president. President Biden's campaign also was in favor of ending cash bail on the grounds that it's discriminatory against those who don't have the financial means to pay their bail. Quote, cash bail is the modern-day debtor's prison. Look, look, I'm serious. I'm serious here, he said. No, I'm kidding. I added that last part. The 2020 Biden campaign said on its website uh, the cash bail system incarcerates people who are presumed innocent. And that's a fair point, right? That you are all, We are all innocent until proven guilty. And so if that's the case, then, you know, why should I be held in prison, or in jail, I should say, in jail, when I'm presumed innocent. Um, It disproportionately, he goes on to say, harms low-income individuals. Biden will lead a national effort to end cash bail and reform our pretrial system by putting in place instead a system that is fair and does not inject further discrimination or bias into the process. Wow, so a lot of specifics he was offering up there, right? Just that we're going to have a fair system, not an unfair system. And we don't want to inject further discrimination or bias in the process, so we're going to have a, a, a new system that doesn't do that. Yay us. Yay me. I came up with that idea. It'll be more fair and less discrimination-y. The White House said the elimination of cash bail is just one step governments can take to combat gender and race disparities. The calls to end cash bail come as the FBI data shows an unprecedented rise in violent crime. <laughs> so the perfect opportunity to do this is when people are getting killed at rates we haven't seen in decades. The overall violent crime rate, which also includes assault, robbery, and rape, rose 5% in 2020 compared to 2019. A letter from Biden and Harris included in the report last month argues that the reforms are needed to promote equality, saying that America, quote, has never fully lived up to the idea that every one of us is equal in dignity and deserves to be treated equally. So we need to be victims of violent crime. For equity's sake, okay? For equality's sake, we all need to be victimized. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So it's it's kind of comical after these cash bail reforms and all this stuff. Um, 
they're trying to figure out like and then you had like the 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 rash of these uh the mass looting events uh there was another one apparently yesterday uh in san francisco so they're all like we're gonna try to figure this out we're really gonna try to like understand gonna take some steps and do some things and employ some strategies really do some deep dive in if we can uh maybe some synergy is involved equity and uh, proactivity and such and um I'm just going to throw this out there. I don't know. How about like keeping people in jail for a little bit longer that are violent? How about that? I'm just spitballing, just throwing it out there. But like if they're like a menace to society, maybe that could be an option. I feel like there might be some evidence that we could look at in the past as well. It just seems like we're kind of running through the same cycle, you know? Like we're going to learn all of the same lessons that were learned in the 70s and 80s. Um there was a, a famous judge up in New York. They called him Turn Him Loose Bruce because the guy would turn him loose. He, he would let everybody go. And uh, then Judge Bruce got assaulted. He got mugged in New York. And I've told this story before. He got mugged, and uh, the media shows up when he's uh, finally recovered because he got injured. He goes back to the courtroom, and uh, he's like, I just want to make this very clear before I start that, you know, if anybody thinks that uh, my – uh, judicial philosophy will change based on, you know, my personal circumstances and what happened to me. Like, that's not going to happen. And somebody calls out from the back of the courtroom, mug him again. <laughs> so, uh, I just, it just seems like we're, you know, in that cycle again. I don't know. Uh, let me jump over here to Corey. Hello, Corey. Welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Mr. B, thank you for taking my call. Certainly, certainly. What's up? Yes, sir. Full disclosure. Not a Democrat, Republican, left-wing, right-wing, conservative, Tea Party, you name it. Yeah. Quick question, and a tongue-in-cheek statement. Are you, most people trying to advocate once locked up, stay locked up? No. Okay. Well, I, well, I shouldn't say that. If you if you murder somebody in cold blood, I think, then life without prison, that's... is that, I mean, Are you talking about pre-trial, or are you talking about after conviction? Neither, because I'm just listening to the thought process, and it just sounds to me like people are fed up with from coming in and out of the cycle. So it's almost like they're saying, "Keep them locked up, don't let them out." So I think so. There are two. A distinction is necessary: pre-trial and then post-conviction, right? So if you get, you know, you get picked up on a, uh, you know, cop sees you doing something, he arrests you, and they bring you to jail, right? So that's like pre trial you, you haven't gone to trial you've just been charged and now you, you go to make your first appearance and depending on the severity of the charge like if you get if you get charged with murder you know um and you know you're running around saying i'm gonna i'm gonna murder more people right <laughs> like if that's the case then i think there's a pretty compelling case like yeah we probably should let you back out before your oh, trial totally agree with that. right totally agree with that. right now yeah, if you got picked up for smoking a joint on a street corner I'm, I'm thinking probably not not a big deal to let you out. You know, you, you probably don't need to hang out in jail while you w- await the disposition of your case, right? Totally agree. All right. So, yeah, so I think we agree. I think, and honestly, I think most people agree with that. And the, the case out of Wisconsin with this guy, Daryl Brooks, like his, even the DA says, like, we got to look at, like, what happened. How did he get such a low bond? Because even they're acknowledging, like, this guy, you know, punched his his uh, his girlfriend in the face and then ran her over with his car. Like that guy should not have gotten a thousand dollar bond, right? 
Well, it was ten thousand, but ten percent of it he got out for a thousand. Right. Well, I've. Uh, well, is do you know that? Because I've heard that Wisconsin yeah, doesn't do the ten percent. Yeah, it was ten percent. Okay, That's so why he got out for a thousand. Okay, so yeah, thousand dollars. Like even if it's ten grand and he gets he can get out with the thousand, like that's. Like he he tried to murder somebody with his car. Like I don't think you get to run over somebody like that out of anger, okay. you know. And then you I'm get because he, none of that. Yeah. None of that. All right. So but I did make a statement about guns coming to school. This probably was about two years ago with y'all, and I advocated hold the parents accountable when these kids go to school with these guns. These parents need to be going down there to the jailhouse with the kids. If the kid, well, if the kid takes the parent's gun. Ah, take the parent. Is that what you're talking about? The whole nine. Well, what if the kid, what if the kid goes out and gets a gun off the black market and doesn't, doesn't get the parent's gun? What if he just goes out and finds himself a gun from some criminal? I'm still going to go with how did the parents allow that child to get dressed, leave the house, didn't check the book bags before they get on the school buses. I don't want to put all this on the schools. Right. Because it's not their job to police, police the kids. Right. The parents are. Well, all right. So a couple things on the school. So first off, in America, we don't hold somebody uh, criminally liable for something that they had no part in doing, the act of the crime. They did not, like, I, I could not, like, I could not hold you accountable for the acts of your parents or your children. Right? I mean, that's just... That's not fair You because you didn't do the thing. And some parents can be great parents and they have two kids and one kid turns out great and one kid doesn't. So what, we, we penalize the parent if the kid becomes a criminal? I don't think that's, I don't think that leads us to a better place as a society where you're throwing parents in prison and now what happens? Because what if that, so like what if you and I are, are brothers and are, uh, and I get in trouble and now our single mom goes to prison with me. Now, what do you do? Well, what becomes of you? You didn't commit any crime, but our mom's in jail with me. So I just think it opens up the door to us. Now, if if I take mom's gun because she didn't have it locked up and I go and I kill a bunch of people with that gun, then, yeah, she's criminally liable. She can be held liable in some states in some cases. Right. And I think that's appropriate. Would you agree? Totally agree. All right. So, um, and so then the other one was on the schools. So I agree that we can't hold the schools completely responsible for kids that show up and bring their household problems, their neighborhood problems, their personal problems. They bring them to the school with them. That's that you can't ask the school, uh, to, yeah, yeah, to be able to police all of that. Now, I can ask the school to uphold their end of the contract, though, because the contract is. I give up rights and liberties to you as a government entity, right? I give that up to you in exchange for the service that you say you're providing. And the service is that you're going to provide a safe learning environment for my kid. Now, if you can't uphold your end of that bargain, then I don't have to send my kid there anymore, and I should be able to move my kid someplace else. Is that fair? What type of suggestions do y'all have outside of metal detectors, Mm -hmm. principal going to the schoolhouse, Mm -hmm. Going to the house with the child. No. How do you want the school to handle it? So first off, I would su- I would suggest uh, some modicum of prevention, right? Some screening on the front end. That yeah. So like metal detectors. Yeah. Uh, that that would be a that would be of assistance. The clear backpack is another idea that's uh, kicked around as well. Um, 
So those are also, and and this is going to raise the hackles of some folks, but I also have no problem with teachers, school personnel. If they want to be concealed carry holders, they should be permitted to carry concealed if they have gone through the, uh, the, the process. I don't have any problem with that. I don't have any problem with people who go through the legal process to get concealed carry permits to be able to do that. So... That's another thing. If you, you know, that's a school that that's to help counteract school shootings. So thanks for the call, Corey. I do appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving. News is next.